Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The La Crosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the La Crosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. The first recorded murder in lacrosse took place in 1852. David Darst and William Watts hailed from Peoria, Illinois. With visions of great wealth and fortune elsewhere, the two men traveled up the Peoria-Galena Coach Road to the banks of the Mississippi River. From there, they made their way north and decided to settle on a pristine strip of land that locals referred to as Mormon Cooley, so named for the group of Mormon settlers that had built a dozen or so cabins at that location in 1844 before moving west after only one year. In early spring, the more affluent of the two pioneers, David Darst, purchased a claim and the two friends began the backbreaking task of constructing a cabin. Battling heat, humidity, and ravenous mosquitoes, the two labored into the summer. As the cabin took form, the goodwill between the two men began to deteriorate dangerously. With fuses short and tempers high, one foul day, the two tragically clashed. My lord, Will, you done with that pick yet? I swear if you want any slower, you'd be going backwards. Real funny, Dave. At least I know what the hell I'm doing. If it wasn't for me, this cabin would never get built. I know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You are a person of rare intelligence. It's rare when you show any. At least I get things done around here. Never seen anything like you. You're slower than pond water. Listen, this isn't working out. Just pay me what you owe me and I'll be gone by morning. Pay you? What the hell are you talking about, pay you? I'm not paying you a damn cent. By my calculations, you owe me $80. What?! Are you out of your mind? I'm not your damn slave. You are going to pay me what you owe me. Not a damn cent. And you aren't leaving until I get my $80. The two men fought bitterly. During the scuffle, Watts seized an axe handle and roundly swung a fatal blow to the head of David Darst. Blood gushed from a wound below his ear and Darst crumpled to the ground. Watts then slashed Darst's throat to assure his death, stripped the body nude, and removed all means of wealth and currency. Before heading into the village, Watts hid the body of David Darst under a plum thicket in a nearby ravine to be consumed by birds and other scavengers. Not long after the murder, a bachelor by the name of Merriman was on horseback close to the ravine that held Darst's remains. Merriman's constant companion, his dog, was the first to discover the carcass. Merriman rode into the village to announce the grisly news, and the alarm was spread quickly among all citizens. William Watts was found and easily arrested. He was intoxicated beyond any physical function in a local saloon. In 1852, there was no formal jail in the cross. Therefore, Watts' whiskey-soaked body was chained and locked in the basement of a building on Pearl Street between 2nd and 3rd Streets. The ceiling of this temporary jail was constructed of joists fastened together, the space immediately above it filled with a heavy layer of sharp and broken rocks. Had Watts attempted to chisel through the ceiling, he would have been crushed to death by the heavy rubble. Watts was forced to attend the funeral and burial of his former friend. 
His demeanor, absent of any sign of remorse or regret, incensed the crowd. Several attendees possessed concealed ropes in the hopes of an opportunity to get a hold of the prisoner and lynch him. The co-founder of the local congregational church, Elder John Sherwin, became aware of the intent of some and passionately persuaded the crowd to let the law take its course. Friends, neighbors, citizens, I know how you must feel in the light of this ghastly crime, but I beg of you to allow due process of the law. We simply must not give way to our basest emotions and permit an abominable action to be the father of an even more despicable act. Please, I'm begging you, put up your ropes and let nothing hang from them but a sign for all to see. A sign that says, this new, young, and growing community believes in justice. William Watts was never lynched, even after two successful escapes that resulted in passionate manhunts. He went to trial before a jury and was sentenced to life imprisonment at Wapan Prison. However, he was paroled in order to defend the Union in the Civil War and was assigned to the 15th Wisconsin Infantry on December 28, 1861. Two years later, he would desert. No one would ever hear again from the perpetrator of the first recorded murder in lacrosse history. David Darst, his victim, was buried in what became Oak Grove Cemetery. He was born February 2, 1818 in Ohio and was killed June 3, 1852. He was only 34 years old. And now I'd like to welcome in David Kranz, director of the Southwest Wisconsin Library System based in Fenimore. David was a member of the Archives Department from 2013 to 2018 and did some of the initial research for this story. More than one retelling exists of the murder of David Darst by William Watts in June 1852. The tale of this early murder was deemed important enough to be recorded in the 1881 History of La Crosse County, and even there, two recollections were included. One tidbit that didn't survive into the dark lacrosse telling was that Watts supposedly hitched up Darst's team of oxen and brought them to town to sell after brutally murdering his friend. I don't know if he got $80 for them, but the sale apparently got him plenty of whiskey. One account even has Watts hiding Darst's body and then coolly going fishing in Chipmunk Creek with some neighbors before coming to town, selling Darst's oxen and getting drunk. In the early 1900s, another telling of the Darst murder tale appeared in the newspaper, this time, it was told by a 78-year-old John Cody, who had retired from the La Crosse Police Force and had been the first city marshal. This murder occupied a special place in Cody's mind because, he said, when he and his father arrived in La Crosse one evening in 1853, they'd set up camp and were shocked to wake the next morning and find the Darst gravestone nearby with its grisly etched wording that Darst had been murdered by Watts the year prior. Cody got details of the story from young friends of the time, who were more than happy to tell the new kid all about last year's big murder. While La Crosse County was formed by the state legislature in 1851, the city of La Crosse was not yet formally incorporated as a city for another four years. Wapun was chosen as the site of the state prison on July 4, 1851, and the construction of a temporary structure started later that year. The first permanent building was completed in 1854 and remains in use today as the South Cell Hall. The original cell hall had 288 cells and was built using inmate labor. Could Watts have once again wielded a pickaxe in construction of the first permanent building of the state prison that imprisoned him? While Nathan Myrick set up his trading post near the river in the early 1840s, the authors of A History of La Crosse, 1841 to 1900, 
reported that the population of the community in 1850 was only six or eight houses. However, the population grew to near 750 people by 1853, according to one local count. Darston Watts and others were at the head of a major inflow of people to the county and to the area that would become the city of La Crosse, the people who would become our loggers and brewers and riverboat shippers. They would be the founders of the community. This incident shows roots of a community that would seek to respect law and would seek to remember and learn from its past. It is amazing that the stone marking Darst's grave has survived through the years. It is still in the Oak Grove Cemetery if you want to go and see it. Many other headstones of lesser age have worn and broken through the years. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.